Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. A reminder, as we do typically at this point, right before the weekly Front Row Knowles podcast begins, don't forget about the Dunlap Champions Club. Football season is creeping closer, and that means you need to take care of yourself. If you haven't been in there yet, many of you probably have at this point. It's a tremendous experience. Chairback seats, food and beverage, air conditioning when needed. Uh, it's a great facility. You and I have had the opportunity to be there for some other functions up there on the fourth floor not related to football, and obviously that entire facility uh, really added a great deal to Dope Campbell Stadium and really adds a great deal to the game day experience. Hey, it's a really, really good experience. If you haven't been in there or if you have and you want to learn more, call them, take a tour, uh, check it out. Uh, do yourself a favor this season, even if you have other tickets or you don't want to commit to uh, a five-year agreement for club seats in the in the Dunlap Champions Club, go ahead and sample at least for one game or get a three-game ticket pack. And the three-game ticket packs, you get to choose Virginia Tech, Clemson, or Florida, one of those three games. And then the other two games come from the remaining home schedule, which is Samford, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, or Boston College. It's only 700 bucks for those three games. Includes all your food and non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, beverages. Well worth it. Very much so. And again, uh, we've got some nighttime kicks, but sometime during the year there's going to be some afternoon games in that sun. And being able to get inside and enjoy those uh, air-conditioned facilities, uh, a great plus on game day. Visit Seminoles.com backslash tickets for more information. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. ACC kickoff is here. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, good to see you. Why do they call it the ACC kickoff? Why don't they call it ACC media days? Why, I mean, why, why do we got to call it something? Talk to the commish while we're in Charlotte. Well, okay. I'll of all sure the things, all the problems that need to be solved, that's probably not at the top of the list. Well, you know me. Hey, look. Uh, you remember, major, major on the minor. Major remember, on the minor. Remember a few years ago when I had to get out there and stand on street corners and stump and platform to say, can we move the thing to Charlotte instead of being in somewhere well, else, North Carolina? You, you were you were. I was on the, at front, the front end. I was on the forefront. And everybody was way behind not supporting you, myself included. And dang, if you weren't right. Well, the people who were not supporting, it's because they're big golfers and they liked playing at Pinehurst, and I get that. But if you're trying to grow the conference, you got to make it easier for people to get there. Or, uh, what, or you got to bring your product grow, to them. Grow, grow, Grosshover or Grosover? Or? The Grandover. Grandover, yeah. It had a golf course, How too. many consonants did you botch in that word? <laughs> that was in green. You tried to mix Greensboro and Grandover. and I'm sorry. I don't know. Anyway, so we're back. Uh, it's, it's in Charlotte again, Florida State. And Willie Taggart, Brian Burns, Cam Akers. That's the Florida State Garnet and Gold contingent that will be here. Uh, we'll talk to Tim Linnefelt later on. We'll talk with Wes Durham, sort of get a state of the ACC. You know, we do this every year. Shows like this, this is how we exist, Keith. We just build everything up, the optimism, the enthusiasm, the expectations. But as we sit here a couple weeks from the opening of fall camp, what do you think? Uh, I think Florida State's going to go undefeated win a national championship. What do you think? You're drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, obviously, obviously, um, this is an interesting year. Uh, Florida State, the only ACC school, uh, I believe, with a new head coach. Uh, far different than the previous in terms of the way he operates and, um, and how the, the team will look. Uh, offensively, um, very different. Those of us that are old school probably would gravitate more towards the Fisher offense in terms of uh, a little slower pace, a little bit of better execution. Uh, defensive players hate the hurry up. Uh, defensive coordinators hate the hurry up because you're giving the opponent two or three or four more possessions. Um, but having said all that, I think the enthusiasm of the beginning of a year is cubed or quintupled. I was wondering where you're going after cubed. <laughs> <laughs> with with Willie simply because he's Willie. You know, so so we we would have this normal uh enthusiasm, but it's ramped off the charts because of a new guy and ramped further off of the charts because of who the new guy is. Because let's admit, up until now 
he has not made a miss. He's not a misstep has not occurred. I mean, everything he's done up until now, um, I don't think you can find fault with. May not work, but you can't find fault with it. It's been amazing the last eight or nine months. Yeah, he's done. He's done really, really well. Remember a year ago where we were though on the on the hype train, we were leading up to the goat game. We're in Charlotte. We of course had to talk to Gary from the Chick Fil A Bowl because they had the you know they had that game, and he does a great job promoting it. Our conversations with Jimbo were about how he got connected with Nick. And he was telling stories about his one year at Cincinnati. They had played well. And going to, basically going, didn't know going to Nick's house in Michigan, actually interviewing yeah. up in Michigan. Yeah. So, and that, that was a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, literally this week. And, uh, and obviously, by the fourth quarter of that game against Alabama, things began to, to unravel. And then the hurricane, you know, nobody ever talks about the storm and how the, the season got so disrupted in terms of that being a factor in the way the season came off the rails. And we don't have to relive that. But it clearly was a factor. Well, it, you, it was a factor when you're playing a team that's in game four and you're in game one with your new quarterback. When you and I are, are survive into a, my, me in my 80s and you in your 70s or 60s, how much younger you are than me, and we sit down to finally write 50s, that book. 50s. I'll be in my 50s. Shut up. <laughs> and we finally sit down to write that book. Uh, there's going to be two events that we witnessed. Uh, other events before we got here, but two events that we witnessed that are going to be the most uh, impactful events on Florida State football. The first was the death of Devon Darling. We we still don't understand completely how that affected Coach Bowden and his staff to the negative, and and I don't mean that in a negative way, but it, it just it. It something that just wasn't talked about but had repercussions mm-hmm. for a decade, for a decade. The second thing we're going to talk about are, is the hurricane in the 2017 season. And we, we saw a seven and six year, which was except that Except that the hurricane is going to be a footnote because 2017 is going to be remembered as the year Jimbo checked out. But why did he check out and what were the ramifications just, of the, it? And does he come out later on 10, 15 years from now and truly say what the thought process – my point being we can look to the hurricane of 2017 and we can look to, to Devon's death – as two events that you and I witnessed that well, I got, had, had huge ramifications. I, I got another one we got to throw in there, and that would be the Wake Forest debacle in 06. So that would be a third one. That's a, that's a Okay, I, 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 will, I will accept that. <laughs> now, now we got three. That's a now third one that three. needs to go into that timeline. All right, but enough looking back uh, because ACC kickoff is about looking ahead. And uh, it, it is going to be exciting. I think that Willie Taggart is going to be embraced by the media around the conference, just as he's been embraced by everybody that he's talked to. Uh, he's 180 degrees from Jimbo, as we've talked about. I think people will look forward to hearing Cam. And, I mean, Cam had a terrific year last year, didn't speak to the media, save for after the bowl game. Nobody outside of, of Tallahassee knows what he sounds like or, or what he says. I'm still curious as to how the ball is going to get divided among Cam and Patrick and LeBorn and the receivers and what that's going to look like. Well, remember one thing uh, when you when you start talking about this, and I was thinking about this when I was down at the beach a couple of weeks ago. Jimbo averaged, offense averaged 60, 65 snaps a game. Taggart's offense, by design, hopefully, will average 85 or 90. So you got another twenty five or thirty plays. I don't know if it's going to get to eighty five or ninety. I think it, it's, it might not. I but, think it's going to get to eighty. But my point is, there's going to be low side 15, 20 snaps. Yeah. High side thirty. More additional than, plays. Right. Right. Additional plays. So in our minds, we're looking back over the last eight years and saying how are we going to divide the ball up over 60, 65 plays, and that's not going to be the reality. Then the the other thing is you're going to have a a big number of those plays that because the defense isn't set, it's not a tough six yards that you just got. I mean, there was a hole there. You you snapped right away, and you're already at at the linebacker, at the second level, uh, eating up yards. So there's going to be a lot of that from the schemes. You and I talked about this after the spring game. One of the things that's going to be – potentially dangerous as a fan about the Taggart offense is there's probably going to be a greater number of third and eights or third and twelves that you're going to convert because of what you did on first or second down that didn't work but set things up that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well 
ACC kickoff underway from Charlotte. Uh, we are just getting cranked up. Wes Durham is going to join us uh, next segment. He's got great perspective on the Atlantic Coast Conference. He's the voice of the Falcons, but he's called ACC games uh, for years. Uh, you guys are familiar with Wes Durham. Then Tim Linnefelt will join us as well. It's a who's who uh, at the ACC kickoff as always, so we look forward to, uh, to visiting with those folks. I will remind you that if you have not done so yet, you need to visit Township. A lot of you that are uh, soccer aficionados during the World Cup probably poured out to Township. They had great crowds there. Football. Uh, Football. I know, uh, Keith. You don't fit in this group. Um, also, uh, Centrally, I'll continue to remind you: five dollar old school squares, which is basically a you know a healthy sized pizza. Probably too healthy, frankly. It's probably more than you should eat. Not that that stopped me, but anyway, that's all day uh, at Centrally on Thursdays for five bucks. I wonder how French Friday went last week. We're still standing. <laughs> Come back with front row holes after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. It may be the dead of summer, but there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train anymore. We're actually in the thick of college football, at least media days, ACC kickoff coming up this week. And uh, we're really pleased to bring Wes Durham to the program. He's, he's joined us before. And uh, if you follow sports at all, you know, Wes, and I, I your business card must be pretty thick because I'm not sure how many bullet points I can I can drag out here. But I know you're still with the Falcons. You still call games right. for the ACC on Fox. You're now doing daily radio on Sirius. And uh, I don't know. Are you selling something outside of Walmart on Saturdays? What else you got going on? No, with us? No? no, I have a tea time. I have a tea time at nine twenty eight every Saturday morning. That's my Saturday. <laughs> he does have Saturday. priorities, is what he's telling us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every time you put a peg in the ground, the goal is break eighty. So there we go. How's that? <laughs> All right. Well, football is here. It's going to be an exciting uh, week at uh, at the ACC kickoff. And then you get a little bit of a letdown because it is still six weeks from when the season starts. But what's your what's your thoughts as as we get gear up for another year? Obviously, things are are different in Tallahassee as we've got a new head coach. But from a conference yeah. perspective, or your your point of view, what are kind of the storylines you're looking at as as we head into these media days? Well, I think the the number one thing, Keith and Tom, is who are the three whole teams in the Atlantic and in the Coastal? I mean, virtually every preseason publication website that, that I can find has uh, you know a combination of Clemson and Florida State in the Atlantic and a combination of Miami and Virginia Tech and the Coastal. And the real reality for me is, is that I, I think that there's two, maybe three candidates in the Atlantic behind those two, two strong ones, I think. And then in the Coastal, I don't know. I mean, I've seen everybody from Pittsburgh to Georgia Tech listed at three. I've seen Duke in a four spot. I mean, so to me, the fascinating lineup is we've now developed in the last decade, and you guys know this as well as anybody, we've now developed more depth in this league um, where there, you know, it used to be when Florida State first came to the league and went 70-2 and two in their first nine years in the league, um, you know, there was Florida State and, and eight other teams. And now we've got an elite team, and by an elite team, I mean one of three teams that you can safely say could win the national championship every year, probably for the next five or the previous three, and that's Clemson. And now you have teams that are also very capable of finishing in the top ten. You have, you know, certainly I think that uh, Miami could finish in the top ten. There's no question Florida State could. Virginia Tech, if they can get all these issues off the field sorted out on the defensive side. Um you know, and then there's somebody else who's going to show up. NC State well, won nine a year ago. Uh, you've got a Boston College team that's got uh, a tremendous running game and a steady defense. So, I mean, we've got a lot of more depth in the league, and I think that's encouraging to ACC fans. Whether or not it, it helps or hurts your school, I don't know. But, but what I am saying is I think it's really good for the brand as a whole. Wes, do you think we're still a year away from it either being Florida State or Clemson that wins the conference? Or, or is this the year when that, that third or fourth or fifth team jumps up and, and makes it happen? 
Good question, Keith, and I really think it's incumbent upon good starts. That's the one thing on our SiriusXM ACC uh, show in the mornings. Mark Packer and I have gotten caught up in, you know, how important are these how important are these starts to the season for certain teams. Now, some teams, Florida State, for example, Labor Day night against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, there, there's some challenging games in their first, first two or three games. Carolina, for example, plays five games in 26 days to start the season. Uh, including a cross-country trip to Cal to start the year. Um, but to answer your question, I think Clemson is is on a level above everybody else right now. Um, I could be proven wrong, but I just see Clemson as, again, with Ohio State and Alabama as one of those three teams that, that I think today I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in saying those are three of my four playoff teams. Um, now, could they be challenged? Absolutely. Uh, could it be Miami? Yeah, it could be. But, you know, we've heard a lot of off-field discussion, off-season discussion, rather, about the quarterback position. And I thought Rozier was pretty good last year. Um, you know, but Nikosi Perry's there. They've got they've got other kids. Travis Homer running back, not Mark Walton. How does that look? Defensively, I think they're going to be pretty good. But are they good enough to get Clemson at this point? I, I have a hard time saying that. Clemson, uh, I think, is just off the charts on the defensive yeah. side. I mean, those those defensive linemen that were supposed to go supposed to be playing on Sundays <laughs> decide to come back and playing on. I mean, I know Alabama's had some kids, but those four up front for Clemson I, I, has there ever been a better quartet? Certainly not in the ACC, but maybe even nationally. I don't know. You guys would be the ones to know, though, because when Florida State arrived in this league, I mean, I'm trying to remember the combinations that Florida State had to front. I mean, well, yeah, you'd, you'd have to go back to, like, Peter Bulwer and Raynard Wilson and Andre Wadsworth, and I don't remember. Yeah, but they Greg didn't all Spires. play together at the same time. Well, those first three did one year, maybe 96, 97, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember those first three playing together. And I don't know, Keith, Tom, it, it, it's a really good discussion. I mean, it really is, because you're talking about, you know, and I feel for Ricky Walker of Virginia Tech because he's broken every preseason All-ACC chart I've seen so far has, has Ricky Walker of Virginia Tech plugged in and either Cleveland Farrell or Austin Bryant left off. And I'm like, well, that's good. Just make them matter. I mean, you know, <laughs> just, and just tell one of those guys that they're not, they're not even good enough to be all-conference. And, you know, I had a, you know, and I dabble a little bit on the Sunday side, I had a regional guy from a team not named the Atlanta Falcons tell me he thought those four guys were all number one picks and couldn't believe they were going back to school. I, I, and I told you hear him that. what you I certainly did. do. Well, and, and I was told that they that none of those guys got first round grades. And I told the scout that, and he you know he works for another team in the AFC, and he looked at me and he said somebody's lying to somebody. <laughs> well, Tom, Tom and I have had a conversation. We've had a conversation about those NFL did, did grades. The, did the scout sound like Dabo when he talked to the players? <laughs> <laughs> You're a third-round pick at best, buddy. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's kind of the – and that takes you to the whole other part of it, too. And I don't know how you guys have interpreted this, and certainly you've been around teams that had misses and came back and won it and things like that. There's, there's a lot of off-season fire at Clemson about not having a chance to play in the playoff in, in the title game last year in Atlanta. I mean, the fact they were beaten and beaten like they were by Alabama. And, uh, and Clemson, I think, is, is on a mission to deliver a message about how good they might be this year. And, and look, we all saw what happened in the spring game with the quarterback situation. That's going to take care of itself. But as you guys said a moment ago, there's no questioning how good they're going to be on the defensive side. What is your inside the ACC but outside of FSU circles perspective on just the last eight months, ten months, a year at FSU and where the Knolls sit right now? Well, I think there's been a lot written about Jimbo's departure and all the intangible things that went on about you know facilities and resources and, and, and his personal or professional happiness, if you will. And some of that, I think, anytime I read something like that, it, it falls down to about 50%. In other words, I think about 50% of it might be right, and 50% of it might be, you know, something that helped tell the story, if you know what I mean. Um, I think Willie Taggart's energy, I mean, Keith, you know this, time. I think you do as well. My daughter's in school in Tallahassee, and for Willie Taggart to show up at her sorority house last spring, and just go by the sorority house and the energy. I mean, she's a fan. 
I mean, so he's doing all the basic elements I think you have to do to generate momentum. If everybody came away from Tallahassee last year feeling stagnant about the program, the one thing it won't be this year is stagnant. Now, how successful can they be? I don't know. I mean, I like, I know Willie Taggart's going to call plays. I think the world of Walt Bell. I think Walt Bell's a really, really good, innovative guy. He worked for Blake Anderson at uh, Arkansas State who, when he was the OC at Carolina with Larry Fedora in the early years. Um, so I'm excited to see kind of how that, that combination of, of thinking works. Uh, I like what they did defensively. Um, obviously put together a really good staff. I think they're going to be exciting to watch, but Paul Hewitt, the old basketball coach at Georgia Tech, once had a line about new coaches and new years and new momentum. He said, every once in a while, people are going to show up and look at a three-car crash too, West." And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you may go fast and you may want to do a lot of things and you're going to you're going to make mistakes going 100 miles an hour and you're going to cause a car accident. So everything may not be perfect, but when it looks good, it's going to be good. And I think the energy and the momentum of that program is the one thing from outside looking in that, that I see at Florida State. You're going to have really good talent at certain spots on the field. Uh, I'm curious to see, like a lot of Seminole fans are, I'm sure how he breaks up the running back because I think Cam Akers is really good, but I also know there are good guys behind him too. So how does he divide the carries up? How do they throw the ball? How fast do they go? All the little things that uh, that he's created with the excitement and enthusiasm he has for being at Florida State, I think, are things that catch your eye from the outside for sure. Wes, you're, you're based in Atlanta for years and years and years. You did um, Yellow Jacket stuff. Uh, I think the two things that we keep hearing or two coaches we keep hearing need to have good years are, are Paul Johnson and you mentioned Fedora at UNC. Um, give us our take on those two programs that have, have struggled a little bit. Well, Paul Johnson got a contract extension in the offseason for three more years, and, and quite candidly, Keith and Tom, Georgia Tech's not in a position to buy him out. I mean, that's just the reality. It's a hard job. He's done a really good job over 10 years. Um, you could argue that uh, he's the most successful coach since World War II at Georgia Tech. I mean, when you look at the wins, now has he won national championships like Bobby Dodd? No, but this is not Bobby Dodd's college football anymore either. Um, you know, Paul's done a really, really good job here. Georgia Tech was beat up when the season started last year, and it only got worse. And I think they've got a chance to have a bounce-back year. Um, they need Kenny Cooper at center to start out. But they're, they're a group, too. Here again, you know, we talk about Mark and I got caught up in these discussions in our morning show about openings of seasons, Georgia Tech plays Alcorn State at South Florida at Pittsburgh in their first three and then comes home to play Clemson. That's a pretty solid first four featuring two league games. So, you know, I, I think they need to uh, they need to get off to a good start, but you can say that for everybody else. Carolina's scenario is, uh, you know, everybody thinks every school's got a lot of money, right? Uh, Larry Fedora's contract's fairly intricate and also fairly long at this point. I don't think Carolina's in a position unless somebody steps up who, you know, just heisted a bank to to pay off Larry Fedora. I, I think they had a mulligan last year. I think they'll be better this year. The interesting part for me about Carolina is not a lot of people are talking about it all season. Um, and they've done well. They they've done okay, but they were so beat up last year, guys. I just. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, I, you're talking, as we said a moment ago, five games in 26 days, Keith and Tom. I don't, right. I don't know that I've ever seen that. I, 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 I was not aware of that. I had not studied like that. that. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, and the back end of that is uh, there's a home game with Pittsburgh and then five days later at Miami on a Thursday night. So, you know, that's the back end of the schedule. The, fir- the front end is at Cal, at East Carolina, home to Central Florida, and you know what kind of mad on that crowd's got right now. Um, and then you play Pittsburgh at home and then at Miami. So that's two division games in a row in a five-day span. Um, look, I'm all for television, certainly, because I'm playing in it. But I would tell you that that seems a little stout for Carolina to start the year with. That does seem ambitious. Let me go bigger picture on the conference, Wes, and ask you the million – it's not even a million-dollar question. It's a multi-million-dollar question. We just saw the revenue projections because Michigan's AD 
leak them about what they're expecting from the Big Ten in coming years in terms of the network. Right. We know where the SEC is. We know the ACC network is coming. What we don't know is how much it's going to help the league narrow the gap with either of those conferences. Mm-hmm. How optimistic are you that it will be enough to at least get in the same zip, zip code. code, if not the you know not the same block, but maybe we're in the same part of town uh, when the when the network launches? Um, I'm optimistic because I think they're doing the right thing in terms of you know systems to carry the games. Here, here's the reality of this, guys, and, and we've seen it in the last four years with the SEC network. It's wrong to. I mean, look, the ACC network's going to launch, and on day one will be more successful than the Pac-12 then, okay? And the Pac-12 has garnered some revenues. You saw those numbers too, I guess, right? I right. mean, it's helped that league a little bit. The ACC has kind of been playing from behind the deck or off low cards, if you will, now for about five or six years. And that's not an indictment. That's just where the league was. This new agreement will, will put everything in one plate. And and I think that's important. You know, it's hard for me to project, though, the way people are going to watch this. But I think the one thing that's helping the ACC is is that we're now in platform measurements. And by that, I mean people that see a game on a second screen, Tom and Keith, are now being counted. Three years ago, that wasn't being counted. So these new numbers that everybody's rolling at you now are platform measurements for, you know, computers, phones, iPads, whatever the case may be. And that's a really, really important uh, demographic for the ACC. The other thing about the ACC that, that I would be encouraged about, if, if not just a Florida State fan but a conference fan, is not only what it's going to do for football, what it's going to do for obviously men's basketball, women's basketball, things like that, but what it's also going to do for sports like baseball, softball, soccer, things of that nature. That's the one thing that none of us can measure the optics and the demographics on. And that's where a lot of the revenue is being created. And the other thing, too, remember this, and I'll share with you a Southeastern Conference story that had the SEC network not gotten to the numbers that it wanted at launch, which it did, which launched with just under 100 million homes, okay, or 100 million subscribers, I should say. Think of it like this. The ACC is going to put a football or a basketball game in the opening months of that year. They will do something to create interest in the network. The SEC was going to put Tennessee, Florida on the SEC network the first year the network existed if they didn't hit certain numbers. They had already worked that deal out with CBS. And as it turned out, they hit the number, so CBS got the game back. The ACC, I feel confident, will do something in the first six months of operation with the network that will say, hey, wait a second, got to find a way to get the ACC network. And so, so I F- think the fact, they, the fact they've signed cable systems already, they've done carrier agreements with the basic boilerplate, has, uh, has already helped them to a place where you know, I feel pretty comfortable it's going to get them into you said you, you analogy is perfect. Same zip code, yes. Same subdivision, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> so FSU Clemson on the network and then uh, Duke Carolina basketball. We'll just put it there until enough. Be a doubleheader well, on a Friday, Saturday night. <laughs> well, think, hey, think of it like this, Tom. You remember the 1995 Duke Carolina basketball game that Jeff Capel hit the shot from half court to send overtime? Right. You know where that game was shown outside the ACC footprint, right? That was ESPN2, and nobody had ESPN2. And that was a one-two game nationally that nobody got to see unless they had ESPN2. And the story goes that in less than 30 days, 25% of the country had ESPN2 on its basic plan. <laughs> so so that, that's the kind of stuff that I think these conferences see. I see, I don't know Clemson, Florida State. Now that might be a... Yeah, I, I was being about, a little facetious on that one. But how about, FSU, how about FSU Miami? If that one got held out like that, what do you think would happen? Put, you, make, you make a very good point. It put a lot of pressure, certainly, on the uh, cable systems and carriers Absolutely. in the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be good. I, I think, though, it's going to. We have to also understand something else too. And you guys are like me. We live in a footprint that also covers the other guy, the other league, if you will, the one that has Alabama and everybody else right now, so to speak. Um, think of it like this. There are going to be some things about the ACC network that people are going to like. There are going to be some things they probably don't like about it. 
But at the same time, I think it will be a different-looking network than the SEC network will be. And I think that's something that the ACC has to be comfortable with, much like that the SEC had to be comfortable with when they launched, too. Good point. Wes, we will uh, catch up with you soon. Football season is upon us. Uh, and hopefully you're hitting them straight on that 923 tee time every Saturday, by the way. And I think well, you, you have FSU second week, do you not? No, that's uh, that's Dave Archer and Tom Wormy. They'll be there with we, the well, network. We'll look forward to seeing you when you get down this way or when we happen upon you. I hope you. so. Always, always hope a pleasure. So. And, and uh, on a personal note, again, our condolences, thoughts, and prayers with you and oh, your family, right. your brother, uh, and the loss of your dad, Woody. Uh, what, what an icon. What, what an ambassador for both North Carolina and uh, UNC and, uh, and the ACC. Just a, a wonderful guy. We'll, he, he continues to be dearly missed in our thoughts and prayers with your family. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate your friendship over the years. Look forward to seeing you soon, and uh, appreciate you asking me to be part of the show today. You bet. Wes Durham, the uh, voice of the Falcons, uh, sort of the voice of the ACC, and you can hear him on Sirius Radio as well. We'll step aside, come back, and uh, bring things a little closer to home. We'll get our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt on the horn. That's when Front Row Knowles continues right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back, and we welcome our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, to the program via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, it's all things ACC. The kickoff is here. We just had a good conversation uh, with Wes Durham, who's sort of the de facto face and voice of the ACC. I don't want to refer to him as the ACC's Paul Feinbaum because I don't think that's fair. But uh, anyway, uh, Tim, Brian Burns, Cam Akers, that was announced about a week ago or 10 days ago that they're going to be uh, the, the folks representing FSU. Was was that surprising to you at all? That seemed like the natural two to pick. What were your thoughts? Well, I, I, I guess it did surprise me only because, you know, even, you know, Coach Tiger's been here for six months or so now um, and obviously he's doing things a different way, but it's still hard to you know, break out of your, your usual mindset. And so, you know, when I'm a few weeks ago looking over who I think is going to be the representative, like, well, you know, who who is the obvious senior on offense and who is the obvious senior uh, on defense? And so, it's you know, um, it's, it's hard not to kind of think in those terms. So I was sort of thinking, you know, somebody a little bit older than those two guys. I love Brian Burns, uh, of course, as a junior. But, uh, but other than that, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're two of your most dynamic players on offense and defense uh, that are, you know, I think we all expect to have big roles to play this year. So in that sense, uh, you know, it, it's pretty obvious, but uh, it just seems so different than what we're used to. Uh, it still kind of catches you off guard, right? Do, do we make too much of this? I mean, I've, I've heard people yeah. say, well, now now that Cam Akers is the spokesperson for Florida State on the offense, he's the starter and he will get the majority of the touches. No, I'm, no, this, <laughs> you're definitely, definitely making too much of it uh, in that regard for sure. I mean, look, I, I don't think that I would take you know, who shows up to, to media days as a, a referendum on the depth chart. I mean, there's a, a you know, it could be a thousand different things to go into it, including including practical things. I mean, maybe a, a player wanted to go or they wanted to go, and he can't make it for whatever reason. You, know, you never know. Uh, things that you just don't know. But, uh, but I mean, I certainly would take it as positives for Cam and Brian. I mean, you, neither of those guys would be there if, uh, if Coach Taggart and the staff didn't think highly of them and expect them to have big years and also feel comfortable with them representing the program in front of uh, you know hundreds of, of media. So that's a good thing. But, uh, I mean, I would, I would caution against, you know, thinking of it as a referendum against other players, I would just you know, take it as positives for those two guys. Keith, it's college football. Of course we make too much of it. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> Particularly the, in July. Whatever the topic is, we make too much of it. Well, so I mean, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, like Miami had the punter there. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of whatever. All right, here's the thing. Part of what happens at ACC Media Days is that we vote on who's going to win. Is Clemson going to be unanimous to win the Atlantic and win the conference title? I think they are, and uh, and they probably have deserved that, you know, based on their track record for the last few years. Well, they um, will they will not be unanimous. Oh, so Keith Keith's just going to stick it to Dabo. That's what I hear you say. They, they will not be unanimous, and the reason is there are some weird people that vote on this thing. I, I'm one of them. And there, there's there's the contrarian. No, there's just there's some of them that just resent Clemson's success, 
and they're going to vote Miami. They're going to vote Boston College because F- you know FSU lost to them so so badly, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it won't be unanimous. It'll be a vast, vast majority, Tim. I don't mean to disagree with you, but I, I don't think it'll be unanimous. We'll wait and see. You can do it. What are you looking forward to most out of uh, the next couple of days in Charlotte, Tim? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, kind of just the, the the outside perception of, of Florida State and the state of the program. I'm, I'm really curious to see that. Uh, I think we got into the, the rhythm in the last few years where everybody kind of knew uh, what to expect. They knew what you were they're going to get from Florida State and, and, and Jimbo Fisher's program and and uh, and what it was going to be. And this is it's kind of the complete unknown. And I think for guys like us who are here all the time and are you know, we have our, our noses so buried into it. Um, you know, we have a different perspective than, you know, maybe the rest of the ACC media. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, what some of the, the folks who have been covering the league for a long time um, and, you know, see, hear what they think of uh, what's going on down here and, and, and see, um, you know, what the perception is of, of what's going on because, you know, I think we've kind of gotten used to it a little bit, uh, the, the differences here uh, around the campus, around the football program. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of folks um, who will be there that are, they're going to get kind of exposed to it for the first time. And so I think that will be reflected to some degree in um, in the, the predicted order of finish and also the preseason all-ACC teams. But just to kind of hear the chatter, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing, uh, you know, something like, you know, the, the Louisville media and the North Carolina media and whoever else, you know, get to spend some time with, uh, with Willie Taggart and, and just kind of see, you know, what the, what the buzz is around the program. Because I think it was so... Uh, I don't mean to say predictable in a bad way, but you kind of knew what it was going to be, and uh, and this year you don't. So I think that's kind of uh, it'll be interesting. Well, two things, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Florida State, the only football program with a new head coach this year as opposed to last year, correct? So I think that's right. Yeah, Tiger will be the only new guy there. And number two, I don't mean this as as badly as it's going to sound, but outside of the beat writers at Florida State, nobody else liked asking Jimbo questions. So they would allot 15 or 20 minutes for Coach Fisher, and he'd get two or three questions and be done in four. Because they, yeah, just, they just wouldn't put up with it. At that. They just wouldn't put up with it. They wouldn't ask a question because they knew they were going to get a standard answer or a smart-ass answer, and screw it. <laughs> well, there's that too. and uh, or, or don't forget the uh, the old classic of uh, you know beginning to, uh, to answer whatever question uh, wanted to be answered before the, the, the question was even finished being asked. That was, a, that was an old classic too. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a really big difference. I mean, my, you know, my this this isn't exactly a bold prediction, but I do think that Willie Tiger will be very popular uh, both uh, during his his sessions with the media and then also afterward. Uh, I think uh, you know what what we have seen in our interactions with him, I'm sure, will translate to uh, some of the other conference media, and I, I expect him to uh, to to really uh, kind of. I don't know what be one of the stars of the week is is the right thing to say, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to be meeting him for the first time, and I suspect they're all going to like him. So there'll be the state of the ACC address from the commish, the ninja, and, you know, who over the years just out of nowhere comes word that Syracuse is now in the league. Or out of nowhere, the president of ESPN shows up. Who's now no longer the president <laughs> exactly, of ESPN. Exactly, but. So is there any going to be anything earth-shattering when the commissioner uh, takes the lectern there? Is he going to announce that Notre Dame's all in or that the network's launching a year early or that uh, there's revenue projections for it or anything? I can't imagine. I don't know. I, it, but that kind of stuff is so hard to pull off anymore, you know? Like, it's so... Um, well, it wasn't that long ago. He pulled it off about three times in a row. It wasn't like that was the dark ages. I guess, man. But even now, like, compared to you know, three or four years ago, it. it feels like that kind of stuff just finds a way of getting out it's hard to surprise people in the, in the media world anymore isn't it it is but i'll tell you under swafford's watch it has been as tight-lipped there there's been no sinking ships when he's been yeah. the admiral on the bridge that's for sure fair enough and I, and I hope you're right i mean i think it'd be cool but uh you know i'm i'm not counting on it put it that way maybe we could do musical chairs and just start forcing teams out so we can split up the 53 million dollar buyout for them to leave the conference that works too that's what you want to do no i don't i don't i don't know what could be coming from it um i don't think that's the buyout number by the way don't they have to give up revenue for like 47 years it might be that's what maryland <laughs> that's what maryland paid yeah with the grant of rights it may be more than that now um yeah, I don't know what it would be either. It it it, it will be interesting to uh, to see if there's anything there. But by the way, West Durham last segment, 
uh, he agreed with the analogy that that he he is on the optimistic side. Now he's pretty plugged in, and I'm sure he'll be heavily involved in the ACC network. He thinks that while we didn't talk specific figures, he thinks the ACC network revenue will get the ACC into the same zip code as the SEC, but not the same subdivision. That's kind of the analogy we're using. Okay, you, sure. So hopefully that's true. I mean, I would take. I think most FSU folks would probably take that. If we told you that you're not even in the same area code, which is where we are now, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's going to, always going to be a segment who you know probably wouldn't be satisfied with that, but it would, it would at least be an improvement. Well, the alternatives are, are non-existent, so hopefully there's just more money there. Also true. Good point. What else uh, about this season? And you know, what do you think? And we can get more into this in August. But what, what, how do you think the season unfolds for Florida State, Tim? You got a you got a baseline on, on what you're expecting from the Knolls? Man, I, you know, I think that uh, this is this is an obvious one, but uh, but I think it bears repeating that the. Uh, that first game is just so important. Uh, if you look at the schedule and the way it shakes out, um, if you can win that first game and, and get some positive momentum under your belt, uh, I think you have your you know a chance to set yourself up pretty nicely for a little while. You beat Virginia Tech. There's a pretty good chance you're four and zero going to Louisville. Uh, you know we expect them. I think to be rebuilding without Lamar Jackson and some other guys. You know, give me a nice chance to get to be five and zero. And now all of a sudden, if the Florida State's five and zero with a win over Virginia Tech, there's a pretty good chance they're. You know, I would suspect probably hovering around the top ten, maybe even inside of it. Uh, and then you have a you know a, a pretty busy October with Miami and Clemson. Uh, you know, to me, the uh, a goal for the season is to make that Clemson game matter. You know what I mean? Like the last few years, I mean, winning is important, but uh, it was a, it was a situation the last couple of years where even winning it wouldn't put you uh, ahead of Clemson in the ACC Atlantic. So. Uh, make that game matter in terms of division race, and, and if you can do that, then then I think you're doing some uh, some good things. I know that's not probably what you're looking for in terms of like numbers and win and loss records, but that's kind of uh, you know my uh, my first thoughts about the season is to you know get off to a good start, and then you know October 27th Clemson comes to town, and you know God forbid that both teams are undefeated and, and you know playing for pole position in the ACC Atlantic, which is you know kind of the way that game feels like it should you know should be right. Well, we can always hope. We can always hope. Tim, last week we talked about uh, the Saturday Night Live event, whatever, with recruits coming in. Last week it was announced that Fan Day is going to be, I believe, August 9th. Is that correct? 19th. 19th. I'm sorry, August 19th. Any changes? And I know we'll talk about it more as we get a little closer when more info comes out. But uh, at first blush, any changes uh, under the Taggart era versus prior uh, relative to format and and, um, types of things that are occurring? Not that I've heard, uh, you know, I still, I still, you know, it'll be the, you know, probably the lines and, you know, photos and autographs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if there's too much creativity. I remember a couple of years ago, I guess it was a while ago now, they had like a like weightlifting competition and stuff like that. I think those days are, uh, are probably over. So I'll, I'm keeping an ear out, but I haven't heard anything on that yet. Well, and we'll talk about it more as we get a little closer. I, I, will, I will add, uh, on the Alumni Association side, which puts together the kickoff luncheon every year, that format has changed for people who have gone for years and years. It's typically been in the exhibition hall, and now it has moved, and it will be on the arena floor. And basically, VIP seating, if you want to purchase a table or purchase a seat with a player, you're on the arena floor. But general admission is is open to the public. I think it's free for alumni association members and maybe five bucks if you're not. So anyway, it's a completely different format. They're going to use the video screens and the whole bowl of the arena and, 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 and instead of the exhibition hall. So those sitting in seats will or will not receive lunch? Those sitting in seats that aren't on the floor, the concession stands are open and they can go get what they want. I can tell you where I'm going to be. You'll be in line at the concession stand. No, I know I you won't. Are. I'll be on the floor. I, oh. won't, I won't lunch. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see if you know anybody. All right, uh, I just thought I'd throw that out because that is a departure from what it's been for a lot of years. So if, if you're not aware, you need to know about that. Do we have a date for that yet? Uh, it's usually on a Friday. It's the right? last, like August 24th. Friday, yeah, yeah, it's the Friday after Fan Day. So Again, as we get closer 24. to it, we'll have more details. August 24th is when it is. I got it. All right. Who is the media member from the FSU beat or the entire ACC most likely to utter the phrase, talk about at the start of a question this week as opposed oh, to ask, actually asking a question this is a david hale special for you tim <laughs> you'd probably be the one to ask uh you know what's funny about that i don't i don't know that i have a good answer on that one but uh but i can tell you that uh, i used to do that a lot you know and uh and then david who's a, a buddy of mine you know people uh he used to he used to cover florida state a good guy and uh he kind of went on his uh his uh uh crusade against it and uh ever since then i've been real self-conscious about it so i try really hard 
to uh, to not do that. And I don't actually think it's that big of a deal. I don't feel as passionate about it as he, he does. But now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like thinking about it. I, I'm self-conscious. So I try to uh, you know, make sure to phrase everything in the form of, uh, of a question, which is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> Your thoughts on Cam Akers. That's... I think he's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of paraphrasing talk about. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least the, at least media days are here. I mean, we're making yeah, progress. Right. We're we're putting X's on the calendar. We're getting closer to August and closer to Labor Day night. You know what's funny is that I always like whenever this this week rolls around with ACC kickoff, I'm like, all right, it's here, football, ready to go. And like you get back in town and you you know empty out your notebook from kickoff, and you're like, oh, we still got like three or four weeks. <laughs> it's still, I know. still a little bit of a. A period there. I know, but but you know, it's 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 much like the NFL preseason. You watch a game and then you see how terrible it is, and you've never heard any of the guys playing, and you're like, yeah, I've got another month till the season actually starts. Right. Tim, be safe, have fun. Thanks as always. Uh, we'll regroup uh, next week and uh, and tell stories of what was the 2018 ACC kickoff. Looking forward to it, guys. All right, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Lenefelt. Keith, you you were grinning from ear to ear in that. Well, there's there's kind of an unwritten rule because at least one night this week um, in Charlotte, uh, many of us will get together and start telling all of the rumors and and stories that we've heard over the summer about what we think is going to happen in the coming year. Ninety two point seven percent of which are incorrect, but they make for for lively discussions. Spirited discussions, indeed. And there's spirits involved, yes. We'll continue spirited discussion without spirits when Front Row Knowles rolls on right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up. Let, I want to go back and talk about the uh, the ACC network a little bit. That uh, We had a brief conversation with Wes about that. But let me first remind folks that if you've got to do it, the ACC network is sort of a do-it-yourself project in some respects, isn't it? Well, remember, we it we get, to those if we had stuff, Ron and his staff on the ACC network, it'd it would be done. It'd be launched four years ago. But remember, too, you're running out of weekends. So all those weekend projects, yeah. guys, you better jump on. Go see Ron and his staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. We thank them uh, for supporting the program. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway, 580-1200, or visit them online at ctf.nu. The... Uh, you know, everybody remains tight-lipped. I don't even know if it's tight-lipped because you just don't know what the revenue is. So people are just not throwing numbers out anymore. Um, I do think, and I've been on the optimistic side of this all along, mainly because there weren't a lot of great options, but also because ESPN is behind it. And it, it doesn't behoove the, – the way we're headed right now doesn't serve ESPN and other networks well. And that is if you get the Big Ten and SEC – if we continue at this pace where they're getting 25 million more per school and it becomes 35 and 40 million more per year, at some point that doesn't sustain itself. And all of a sudden we've gone from having 65 power five schools to having 25 schools that can compete, which means less product and that sort of thing. That's, that's of interest. I just don't see that. It's not for the greater good. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So the point being, ESPN has an interest in making more money and making the ACC network work. And I, I do think it will work, and it will tighten up the uh, – it'll reduce the gap. It's not going to get it equal. Yeah. And you and I have had this conversation, and we, we disagree a little bit philosophically. But, you know, Florida State's athletic budget, whatever it is, let's call it $100 million. I think it's a little more than that, but let's just say it's $100 million. And if you added another 10 or $15 million to it, what would you spend that money on? You know, it's it's back to the conversation we had when when all the speculation over Jimbo's contract before he announced he was leaving for A and M. You know, he's making five point two, five point three. They're going to offer him seven point five. What what can you do with that other two million dollars? You can't do with five and a half million dollars. That's a that's a question that obviously Florida State's administration would like to answer. They'd like to have the funds to do that with. Point being, you you find a way to make it work. And, and the reverse of it is true. And you and I both know this in our own personal budgets at home. You, you spend what you make. And if you don't have it, you don't spend it. And you find ways 
to to make things different and and to make things work. So, you know, I, I think a we don't know what the amount of money is, and b you might have some tentative plans, but I don't know that you have concrete plans with exactly what you would do with that money. Obviously, if you're going to build a new operations center for football and you're going to ramp up uh, Hauser Stadium and you're going to do some other facility things, uh, that's where money can go. There's no question about the needs there. But, you know, it, it, it it's one of those things we can speculate, but until it actually happens and we know what the dollar amount is, I don't know that you know. You just have, you know, you and I think about what would we do if we won the lottery? Well, how long do we think about that? 30 <laughs> seconds, a minute, because we ain't likely to win the lottery. Well, what will happen is, you know, the ACC network will launch and it'll be in X amount of homes, whatever number that is. And that will be new income that'll become the new baseline. So if it's 100 million homes, it's 100 times what the average is. Per- but that, that second tier platform, what did Wes call it? That, yeah, second screen. Yeah, that that's the part that we don't know how to monetize. And, and so if if the ACC network gets launched and has 30 million cables – versus the SEC at 100 or whatever less than that they're at. But there's 60 million on the secondary level. It, doesn't that 30 and 60 equal 90? I mean, how will that work out becomes the thing I, I still can't get my hands around. One thing that hasn't been talked about, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure as they're getting the ACC network distributed, they're bundling everything, which is to say when they're going to their carriers, they're leveraging ESPN and ESPN2 and the ACC network and, and the, the SEC network. And so when the ACC network cuts this deal with Altice and now they're on in New York, well, guess who else is now on in New York and is going to get more money for it? And that's going to be the SEC network. Now, they don't get as much because the way it works is if it's a conference state, uh, you know, in the state of Kentucky, it may be a, a, a buck per subscriber that the SEC network's getting. In New York, it might be a quarter. Whereas the ACC network, because there's an ACC school there, it may be 75 cents or whatever. Point being, as the ACC network gets penetration, uh, the SEC network is coming along too and, and, and growing in terms of number of households that it's in. I just know this. With, with the former executive at ESPN being the AD at Syracuse now, with Swafford continuing to be the commissioner and the consulting firm that he's got working with them, I, you know, I, I have faith in reputation. And the reputation is you've got some pretty good minds that are helping ESPN in the formulation. And ESPN, in their own right, a very good mind. I'm like Wes. I just remain optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to get to where the ACC, to use the same analogy we did before as we wrap up, they'll get to the same zip code. They're not going to be in the same subdivision. In terms of Power 5 conferences, they're going to, they're going to shake out better than the Big 12 and the Pac-12, but they're not going to have the same money as the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, that begs the question for our real estate listeners. I mean, do you really want to live in Rose Hill or, or uh, Moore Pond, or are you happy just being in Golden Eagle? <laughs> well, if that's where we get to. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Hawks Landing. You know, there's some low life that live in that subdivision. Yeah, they do. One of them is seated to my right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll do this again next week right here in Front Row Knowles. Oh, no,